0: So this morning, we're kicking off a brand new sermon series on 1 John. And rather than giving a, a lot of introductory material, we're just going to kind of get right into the text here. So this will be 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And I'll ask you to rise this morning for the reading of God's Word. 1 John 1, 1 through 4. is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us this morning. May your Spirit be at work through your Word upon our hearts. May the words of my mouth, God, and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Who is Jesus? How would you answer that question? Who is Jesus? Whether you're a lifelong Christian or a new believer or someone who considers yourself non-religious, you've all got some thoughts, right? You've all got some feelings about this carpenter from Nazareth who claimed to be God. I've yet to meet someone who was neutral when it came to Jesus, right? So, what about you? Who is Jesus? Is he a good moral teacher? Is he an example of virtuous living? Is he the source of untold strife and religious division throughout history? Is he a moral policeman ready to break out the pepper spray if he catches you having too much fun? Is he a teddy bear figure who approves of everything and just wants everyone to be happy? Is Jesus a hippie who just wants peace at all costs? Should we all just kind of be groovy and get along? Was Jesus human? Was He God? Or something in between, like some sort of transcendent Marvel character? Is He all about grace and forgiveness or law and justice, right? Who is Jesus? Here's the thing. The way that you answer that question matters more than anything else in your life. And if you answer that question wrong, then you get the Bible wrong and you get Christianity wrong. The Christian faith is fundamentally about a person. It's in the name, right? Christianity, Christ, Christianity, Jesus Christ, who he was and what he did. Jesus Christ, the person and work of Jesus Christ, is actually the starting point of our faith. That may sound a little bit strange because the Gospels aren't the starting point of the Bible. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, chronologically speaking. But you see, even when we approach the Old Testament, we have this way of reading it where we kind of look at Scripture backwards. We filter everything through the lens of the cross. And if that lens is broken, then everything else is off, right? So Jesus, Jesus is the starting point and the center of our faith. And the Apostle John knows this. He's going up against some pretty strong false teaching, this sort of proto-Gnosticism that comes into play later on. And, And it's why he comes out of the gate with his, in this letter, swinging. He does not want us to get that wrong. Who is Jesus? John tells us in no uncertain terms. So... Here's our roadmap for today. Three points. Pretty straightforward. Jesus is God, Jesus is human, and Jesus is for you. Number one, Jesus is God. So the first line of any children's book, how does, how does a good story start? Once upon a time, yeah, once upon a time. And the Bible has a similar way of starting It's a different phrase, but it's a phrase that John uses to kick off his letter here. In the beginning. In the beginning. Now, think back with me for a moment. Does that phrase sound familiar? Hopefully, you were awake five minutes ago. Genesis, right? The beginning of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God the Creator brings the world into existence with just a a word from His mouth, right? He says, let there be light and there's light. And He fashions mountains and oceans and animals and plants and people from the dust of the earth. And then John in his gospel, right? We have his letter, that's what we're in this morning, 1 John. But he also wrote the gospel of John and it opens with that same phrase, John 1, 1. A lot of times we read this around Christmas time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Greek, the term here used for Word is logos, or logos. Uh, and this, this logos that's used here, it means wisdom, or logic, or reason. It's kind of the underlying principle of the entire universe, the thing that governs everything else. The Logos is the ultimate truth that even the best human philosophers can only like grope blindly toward. But John here, he identifies this this word, this Logos, not with a principle or with some special knowledge, but with a person, Jesus Christ. And his claim here is pretty astounding. He says that Jesus existed before the world began, before his physical birth even. So when God the Father created the world out of nothing, remember, God is Trinity, right? He's three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, one divine essence. When God the Trinity says, let there be light, that means that Jesus is actively involved in that creative act as well. Jesus was there with God in the beginning, involved in creation, And you get this beautiful imagery in chapter one of Genesis two, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. So, right there, we've already got, not fully fleshed out, but we've got glimpses of this Trinity Father, Son, and in Holy Spirit. All three participate. So, John's opening sentence in his letter then it pulls no punches. Jesus is God, full stop. He's co-eternal with the Father. He's uncreated. There's never been a time when Jesus, in His divine nature, did not exist. He's always been there. He's the source of eternal life, as John says in verse 2, and He is one with the Father, verse 3. Now, maybe you've heard this argument. Sometimes when people say, yeah, but but Jesus never claimed to be God. This was something that was added later by His followers, and by the letters, for, this, for example, this one, the letter of 1 John, that was added later on, right? Jesus himself never said those words, I am God. Uh, that's just not true. When you look at the Gospels, you see again and again that Jesus reinforces his identity as Yahweh, the God of Israel. You kind of have to know a little bit about the Old Testament to see where he is making those claims in the Gospels, Right? But it's all over the place. Some of these are, are more implicit, like here where he refers to himself as the Word. Uh, that takes a little bit of deciphering. But others are pretty, pretty explicit. For example, Matthew 26, 63 through 64. In any case, though, there's no doubt that Jesus believed and claimed to be fully God and proved himself to be such. Here's probably the bigger question on your minds, or maybe this is, Uh, why does it matter? (laughs) Why does it matter whether we believe Jesus was truly God? Like, in the grand scheme of things, can't we just say that He was a really, really good human being, like maybe even the best human being that ever lived? What difference does it make all things considered here? Aren't we just splitting theological hairs here? Uh, My response to that would be twofold. One, the Bible tells me so, and if the Bible tells me so, it's pretty important. Uh, But number two, I would say this. Look around you. Turn on the news. Or even look inward. Think of your own life experience, your own heart. The struggles and fears and pains and anxieties that you wrestle with, and maybe continue to wrestle with, If we're honest with ourselves, if we are truly honest about the depths of the darkness and brokenness in the world around us that we experience on a day-to-day basis, we are forced to admit, man, our world is broken. It's broken. Things are not as they should be. What we have is a massive God-sized problem, and a God-sized problem requires a God-sized solution. We need God Himself to rescue us from our predicament, and nothing else will do. So, who is Jesus? Number one, Jesus is God. But that's not all. Jesus is also fully human. Listen to John's words here again. He says, That which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. Uh, What's he talking about here? He's talking about the five senses. Seeing and hearing and looking and touching. John, we have to remember, he was one of Jesus' twelve close disciples. So he was there with him through his early ministry, throughout his entire ministry, seeing miracles and, and witnessing all of this firsthand. So he had a lot of firsthand knowledge of this. What he's saying is this Jesus isn't some ethereal pie in the sky idea or some far off ghostly presence. He's real. He's as real as you and me. Jesus has a body. He has flesh and bone and fingernails and kneecaps. Maybe even he had hair on his back. Who knows? His feet got dusty from walking. His legs ached after a full day of traveling through the desert. According to the Gospels, Jesus felt pain. He ate, he drank, he wept. He slept. He had close friends. Those same close friends betrayed and abandoned him in the end. The author of Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews 4 12 through 13. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let me sum it up for you this way. Whatever it is you're walking through right now, whatever it is that you are going through, Jesus knows. He sees. He notices you. Death, yeah, he's been there he lost someone close to him. Anxiety? He sweat drops of blood. Family troubles? Man, Jesus had family troubles. If you've been coming to Tuesday Night Bible Study, we discovered that. His own family thought he was crazy and tried to stop him from ministering. Joy? Jesus loved a good party. He attended a wedding feast with his buddies and and turned water into wine. Anger? He, He flipped over tables in the temple. And drove out the money changers with whips. Man, he has been there. He sympathizes with you, and he has infinite compassion. Think about this. Have you ever tried describing an experience you've had to someone, and they're just not getting it? Like, they're nodding their head, and they're like, okay, intellectually, I understand what you're putting down here, but there's something being lost in translation, right? The, the connection is something's going on there where you can just see it in their eyes because maybe they have not gone through anything remotely similar, so they don't have a reference point. So, I mean, I think of this in my, in my own life. Like, when I, was, when I was, I am a father, a newish dad. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if any dad ever does. If you do, I'm not going to buy your book. Um... Parents would, before I became a father, parents would tell me, man, I'm just so tired, like just exhausting having a kid. And I would try to sympathize, but I was single, and I was like, I've stayed up late before. I've I've stayed up for New Year's Eve. Yeah. But have you had a screaming child and a messy diaper at 2 a.m. multiple times a night? I've been there now. But to try to describe that to someone who is not a parent, I didn't get it what it was to be tired until I became a parent, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And until you have gone through it too, there's always going to be this gap. But here's the good news. With Jesus, there is no such gap. With Jesus, there is no such gap. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to justify your pain. He gets it because He was and is. This is important. We don't talk about Jesus in the past tense because He is in His bodily form sitting at the right hand of the Father even now. Jesus is flesh and blood, so He gets it. Jesus is human, and only someone who is fully human could live the perfect life that we never could and suffer and die for the sins of all humanity 2,000 years ago on that cross which brings us to our final point. If everything I've, I've just said, which is to say, if everything that Scripture teaches us is true, and I realize if you're here today as a non-believer, you're, you're non-religious, I understand that's a, a big leap, but just try to suspend your disbelief for a moment. If all of this is true, Jesus is God and, and, and Jesus is human, we're still back kind of to the question, so What? What does that have to do with me? This guy, Jesus, was actually who he claimed to be. Great. But where's where's the connection with me? Let me tell you. You were the one he did it all for. John 3.16, if you know it by heart, say it with me here. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, we're born into this world with a God-sized problem. We see it everywhere. Ever since Adam and Eve ate the fruit and broke the world, sin and its effects have made a mess of life. It's the reason that we cry, It's the reason marriages and relationships break. It's the reason for depression, pornography, suicide. It's the reason hunger and sickness and poverty claim lives every minute. See, everything wrong, all of the wrongness in this world can be traced back to that one little three-letter word, sin. Sin and its consequences. And the sin problem is not just a historical artifact, something that we can look back at and say, okay, Adam and Eve did this horrible thing, and now we as innocent parties suffer the consequences. No, that's not how Scripture speaks of it. We too are born sinful. In fact, we're infected with the same problem that was caused by Adam and Eve. We're born like a toy that's broken right out of the box. Psalm 51.5 says this, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We're born sinful, and as the Apostle Paul tells us, the wages of sin is death. Both physical death and eternal death. The word that we have, the word that Scripture uses to describe this eternal separation, this painful separation from God is hell. But there's a second half to that verse that the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul tells us this in Romans 5.18 Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. What is this one act that he's referring to? It's the cross, right? The central symbol of Christianity. And for very good reason. Friends, let me tell you this. Here is what happened at the cross. Every bad thing you have ever done or ever will do was engraved on Jesus. It was put upon His shoulders every bad thought every selfish inclination every every thoughtless word every moral failure big and small all of those get placed on Jesus shoulders of the cross and they are nailed there with him once and for all never to accuse you again that's good news But here's the really amazing thing. Jesus, he he forgives us totally and completely. But he doesn't stop there. Not only does he forgive us, takes all of our sin away, he now adds to that the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's a two-way exchange, as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. We get Jesus' righteousness, those who believe, and he gets our sin. This, this two-way exchange. You can think of it like an accounting ledger, right? You've got your, your debt column and then your assets column over here. Not only does God cancel your entire debt column down to zero, zeros it out. He then fills up your asset column brimful with his grace. And get this, that column never goes down. It's always full, no matter what. Some of you grew up with the belief that Jesus was a strict disciplinarian. Some of you grew up in households that emphasized moral living more than the gospel. Some of you grew up with versions of Jesus that highlighted his humanity more than his divinity and vice versa. Some of you grew up that belief Some of you grew up believing that guilt and shame were more distinctly Christian than love and good news. To you, I would simply quote John 3.17, which comes right after John 3.16. We don't say it as much. We should. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. You see, the benefits of that salvation come to us by faith alone, by believing and trusting and resting upon his promises. Jesus is God, Jesus is human, and Jesus is for you. In the words of Johnny Swim, one of my favorite bands of all time, he is the God forever on your side. God is forever on your side. May we trust that, may we believe it, and may we live our lives in the security and freedom which only comes from that unshakable truth. Amen. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's Pastor K-J-O-L-H-A-U-G at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.